Good morning. All right, uh, before we get started, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time we have to come together and um, go through your word and learn. And Lord, I pray you would touch our hearts this morning and teach us and um, help us to repent and change our ways and follow you, Lord. Um, Thank you that uh, those that could be here made it. And for those that can't, Lord, we pray you would have your hand upon their their bodies and heal their sickness, um, their pain, everything, Lord. Just pray you'd heal them quickly. And uh, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your word, Lord. Amen. All right, if you guys could turn to 1 John chapter 4, verses, we're going to go through verses 9 through 11, kind of a short little, short little section of 1 John. While you're turning there, um, I'll just, I'll just get started here. Um, So, if you talk to my wife, I am, I'm neutral on Christmas. I'm not excited, but I don't, like, hate it. I'm just kind of neutral. I'm Switzerland. Um, my wife loves Christmas, by the way. Like, she's Christmas fan, Christmas cheerleader. And um, sometimes my brain is a little too, uh, gosh, what do you call it? Like, down earth, yes, no, black, white, very logical. Like, that's how my brain works. Um, and so, like, I think of Christmas, and I remember when I was younger, I was like, well, Christmas is just a pagan holiday, the, a holiday that the Christians kind of hijacked and made spiritual, which is, I mean, it's true. <laughs> but, um, and, you know, and I would tell people, I'd be like, you know, Jesus was not actually born on the 25th, you know. It's probably in the spring sometime. Like, it's not actually his birthday. Um, but I will say, now Christians, to celebrate the birth of Jesus, um, during this season, it's very festive. A lot of us get together with friends and family. We have food. We exchange gifts. Um, and I would love to believe that we do this because we want to show people that we love them and value them. But I know not everybody does that. Some people are they're stuck in the whole Christmas commercializ- commercialization thing, and they do it for selfish reasons or insecure reasons or what have you. Um, but... The reason I like to believe it's because we get together, because we value and love people, is because um, of what we see in the Bible. You know, Christmas is a time, again, that we've chosen to celebrate the birth, birth of Jesus. Um, and during the Christmas season, we can see that people kind of change a bit. Things are a little bit more joyful. You know, things are decorated. Um, yeah, it's just kind of, there's like the spirit of the season, you know? Um, and when you look at, like, giving during the year, 30% of all people's yearly giving usually happen in the month of December. So, and, I mean, I'm looking at Nathan, he's a tax guy. I don't know if that's because they're like, oh, shoot, I need to get my tax right off, or it's Christmas time and I just need to be a giving, cheerful person and just start lavishing gifts on people. I hope it's the latter. Um, but, back to this thought of being rooted in the Christmas season being rooted uh, in the Bible, it's because there was a pivotal event um, with the birth of Christ. You know, God gave us the greatest gift of all time. Um, Again, Jesus Christ being born of a virgin, virgin, virgin. Um, 
And Jesus' birth ushered in many things upon his arrival. But today I just want to focus on one, one of those things that um, manifested itself, which is God's love. Um, God's love physically entered into the world. Um, and so let's read 1 John 4, 9 through 11 together. Uh, in this, the love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now the English language is great language, but it, when it comes to the word love, it lacks, um, lacks some clarity. Um, unfortunately, we only have one word, love, to describe many kinds of love. Um, for example, I love Chinese food. Like, it's my, like if I could, if I was on an island, stranded on an island, I could eat one thing forever, it'd be Chinese food. It'd be, yeah. It's a little different there. Um, but this word, if we look at it in the Greek, how it was originally written and intended, um, there's four different words for love in the Greek. We're only going to focus on one today. Um, but it's the word agape. And I think most of you know what the word agape means, but if you don't, um, agape love is a love that seeks only to benefit the recipient. Um, it's a selfless love. Agape love says, I love you regardless of what you've done or what you are, are or not going to give me in return. Agape love says, I love you without any conditions. Like nothing can prevent me from loving you. And according to our text, God shows his agape love for us in that he did what? Verse 9 says, he sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And in verse 10, he sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. So, here it says, God loved us so much that he sent his son. Um, but was it only the fact that he sent him that showed us his love? He didn't just send his son. He sent him for a specific purpose, which we find in verse 10, which is that he was sent to be a propitiation for our sins. Jesus' sole mission for being born was to die. And that's what the scripture is telling us. Now, a propitiation, if you don't know what that word means, uh, it's a sacrifice that turns away the wrath of God and at the same time reconciles us back to God. Um, it puts us in perfect standing with God as if we'd never sinned at all. It's, a, it's the sacrifice that does this, this transaction. And every person on the face of the planet has made decisions that are contrary to God's word. Um, and God calls that sin. And I recognize that not all people know the Bible, and so they sin in ignorance. They don't know what they're doing is wrong. Um, but it's still sin, whether they realize it or not. Every single person ever born has sinned in some way or another. Um, and the Bible says that the punishment for that sin, unfortunately, is death. Um, seems extreme, but that's, that's God's rules, man. Got to play on his field, on his terms. Now, if we want to try and pay for that punishment, there's two ways. I'm going to grab a sip of water here. Okay, if we want to pay for sin, 
Uh, there's two different ways we can do that. First, we can try and do it ourselves. And um, for that, as we read in the Bible, uh, God says it would take an eternity in hell for us to pay for our own sins. But God, because he is love, and he is incredibly awesome, had a better, more loving way for sin to be wiped out. Instead of our lives being sacrificed, God showed us his agape love by sending his only son Jesus from heaven to earth to be sacrificed and punished instead of us. And that was to appease God for the sins of all. Now when you think about it, like, think about just your sin, and you're like, okay, that's a lot of sin. Now think about the whole world. Oh, didn't they just update the numbers for the world? How many billion people are on the earth? Like seven billion or ten? Well, I'm behind the times. Okay, a lot of people. That's on the earth right now. What about all the people have ever lived and will live until Christ come back again. That is, that is just a, an unimaginable weight of sin that needs to be dealt with. Um, <clears throat> so the only, the only person that could do that was Jesus because he was fully God and yet fully man. He was the only person that could handle that amount of weight and pay for it. It was a God-sized task that only God could handle. Only, only Jesus' death on the cross was powerful enough to pay for the sins of the entirety of mankind and reconcile us all back to God. Sin separated us from God, but now because of Jesus, we can all be joined back together with God. Um, and this reconciliation isn't like um, casual. It's not like, well, okay, me and God are cool now. No, it's way, way more powerful and deeper than that. God actually says that when we when we accept Jesus as our propitiation, that he adopts us into his family and calls us sons and daughters. It's way more than just, oh, we're good, my sin's done with. No, it's, you're in my family now. You are, you're part of, you're part of me, of, of this intimate relationship. Um, now, thinking about um, just God coming and offering his own and only son for us, if, if you and I were to say die for somebody, um, you know, who would we choose? If you're married, you're probably like, okay, my spouse, my kids. Um, if you're unmarried, maybe, uh, you know, mother, father, best friend, uh, something like that. Um, some people might die for a famous person. I don't know why you would do that, but maybe you're just such a fan person of that person that you would do that. Um, but would we die for an acquaintance or just a random person off the street walking by us? We probably wouldn't do that, I don't think. Uh, what about like a repeat criminal like we read about in the news all the time? Would we die for one of those people? I mean, I'm thinking of myself, I'm probably like, nope, not <laughs> pass. Um, or what about like an outright enemy, somebody that you detest? Um, like somebody that has like abused you or wronged you or robbed you or whatever. Somebody's drilled out your gas tank. Probably don't want to die for that person. You probably don't want anything to do with that person. You don't even want to talk to him. Or if you talk to him, like, I, I identify with Jameson. I just want to beat him up, you know. <laughs> That's what I would want to do, selfishly. Um, but when we look at God, God would do all of that. He would die for every one of those people. Um, because that's what, exactly what he did. And that's what blows my mind about God, is that um, 
God sent his son to die, not just for us, um, but everybody, and not just when we were doing good, we had our stuff together, but when we were at our worst is when God sent his son to die for us. Isaiah, if you can flip up the Romans verse for me, Romans 5, 8, there she is. Love this verse. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us that in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Um, if you look up the word sinners here in this verse, um, it means sinners, yes, but it means preeminently sinful or devoted to sin. So when we were preeminently sinful, when we were devoted to sin, that's when Christ was like, I'm gonna die for, for that person there and that person there, for you and for me. The God of the universe saw the worst version of us and our neighbors and our coworkers and our family, and he still said, I love you more than anything, and you are so valuable that I'm gonna do something about that situation myself, and I am gonna personally pay the, the penalty of death for you. That, that is the awesomeness of God's love. It's amazing. It's it's, it's just unimaginable. It blows your mind that somebody would do something like that for such wicked people. Um, now, I want to, want to go back here uh, to 1 John, and I want us to notice verse 10. Um, it tells us that God's love has nothing to do with how much we think we love him. Uh, it says here, And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Why is it that God says through John here, and this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us? Many of us, we love God, don't we? I think if I asked most people in this room, we'd say, yeah, we love God. We love him. Um, but when God planned, to, again, when God planned to send his son, it had nothing to do with us and how we think we love him that, or anything we brought to the table. No, it had everything to do with his love for us. And um, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 8. Isaiah's going to throw it up on the screen. So it'll kind of get us more into this thought uh, a little better. All right, let's read this, Ephesians 2, 4 through 8. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Not even a little tidbit of our goodness was in God's motive when he, when he decided to send his son as a propitiation for our sins. In Ephesians 4, it says we're dead. And a dead body, I mean, it's not really good for anything except for feeding the worms. It smells bad. You know, dead body's worthless. Um, but even though we were dead and lifeless enemies of God, God had mercy on us and loved us so much that he sent his son. And I think, I mean, we know that, but I think it's hard to grasp God's perfect, unconditional love sometimes um, because God's agape love is not like any kind of love we find in our world. Um, I mean, 
we see spurts here and there. Um, but it's not, like in the Bible, when you read the Bible, God's love and his mercy and goodness, it's, it's a constant. Anywhere you're at in the Bible, it's a constant. Whereas, you know, you go to work, you go to the store, there's not much love <laughs> going on. It's a lot of, you know, strife. People doing their own thing, you know, doing what they do. Um, and, and, you know, the love we see is a love without God's influence because we need God because God is love. He, we need him to show us how to love properly. Um, you know, love in our world, it's, it's so conditional. It's, um, it's like, hey, if you love me, I'll reciprocate back. You know, it's a, it's a transaction. Um, there's an exchange of conditions for our love for each other. It's a selfish love. It's always seeking something in return. Like, what, what am I getting out of this relationship or this job or, or whatever? Um, so it shouldn't be a surprise to us um, when we see such selfish um, motives and stuff around us because we're born with a selfish root. You know, you go all the way back to Genesis um, where it all started with sin in the garden and we inherited that. Every last one of us inherited that sinful, that sinful nature. Um, and I think if we pause right now or, or in the hours to come, um, you know, how often do we really apply conditions to love to people? And I think we'd probably be shocked that it's probably more often than we, re- than we really want to admit. Um, I know when I think of myself, you know, I, I conditionally love people all the time. Um, I do it at my house <laughs> with my own family. I do it at work, you know. You get, work is hard because you get stuck in this whole, I, I'm, a, I'm a boss, so, you know, I have, to, I have to, like, rate people for reviews, like how good they're doing. There's conditions there, you know? And I tend to like the employees that do really well more than the employees that don't do well at all or even show up for work, you know? I've got, I've got this little rating scale that I, that I put people on. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it'd be good for us just to look, have an honest, you know, in-depth look at ourselves of how, how often we, compl- we apply conditions to how we think or love or approach people. Um, you know, when, when, when people aren't loving to us, when we're not getting something in return, we tend to, um, you know, our thoughts change toward them. We tend to move away from them or avoid them, you know? Um, you know, sometimes you kind of, it hurts too. Because sometimes you're like, hey, I'm gonna put myself out here and I'm, I'm gonna try and love this person. And you get nothing in return. And it kind of hurts, doesn't it? And so you're like, eh, there's nothing there. I guess I'm going to move on. Um, and, I, and, you know, again, if you, if you do an introspective about this with other people, you're going to find that, yeah, our love is pretty conditional, isn't it? It's this battle that's going on in between us. Come and get a little deeper now. Um, I think we'd be maybe even more shocked um, if we think about how we apply conditions um, to God and his love for us. That's kind of a scary one to think about. Even, without even thinking about it, I think we inadvertently place conditions on God's love for us 
uh, that are not there. Um, some of us might think, hey, you know, I've been reading my Bible pretty consistently. I'm making good choices. You know, go to church all the time, tithe regularly, give to charity. Um, you know, I do all this good, I pray for people, volunteer, I'm a good worker, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, I, I just updated Twitter with a Christian meme, so I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm a good person. And, you know, how do we feel when we're, when we're nailing it, right? We feel good. We feel like, man, I think God's really happy with me right now, you know? Um, we sometimes will compare ourselves to somebody else and be like, man, compared to them, I am a saint. Like, wow, I'm, I'm so much better than they are. Um, you know, they're, they're really bad people. They do really bad stuff. Um, yeah, and I think we deceive ourselves and think that God's just a little bit more happier with us than the other guy, which is wrong. Or the flip side of that is sometimes we can, we can apply conditions to God's love um, because of what we don't do. Sometimes we get down in the dumps. We're like, man, I cannot seem to consistently read my Bible. I don't want to go to church today. Um, you know, I, yeah, I'm just not really, am I even a Christian? God must be angry with me. Maybe, you know, all this, because of what you're not doing. God must not love you. God must be angry with me. Um, and sometimes you get to the point where you're like, I just need to get my stuff together and then God might be like happy or agreeable with me. Maybe I can get to that spot. But neither one of those ways of thinking are accurate and true according to the scriptures, according to reality. God loves the entire world the same. He did not send his son to die only for those that did a lot of really good things. Um, but as we talked about before, he sent his son to die for all of us when we were at our worst. Before the world began, God planned to send his son to the earth to be born in a lowly stable and die. And he had all of us in mind when he, when he chose to do that. Um, and not only did he have us all in mind, he had your coworker that's sleeping around in mind. He had your family member that's embezzling money from their company in mind. The homeless guy that's breaking into cars and buying drugs had him in mind or her in mind or whoever. All these different people that we think are, you know, a stain on society or, or what have you. God thought of every living soul and said, I'm gonna send my son to die for those people. That's, that's the, that is the depths of God's love. And we need to be so mindful of that so in order that we can love those around us effectively. Um, they even... You know, I didn't write the reverence down, but for God so loved the world, I believe that's John 3, 16, that he sent his only son to die. Gosh, God's love is just, it's deep, it's amazing. It's unfathomable. But we've got to constantly plunge the depths of that, <laughs> of that love and learn about it so God can, can give us the right perspective on, on the world and people and souls. Um, hmm. let me see here kind of got off track here I already went through all that oh 
The Bible says that God is love. It's part of his nature. It's who he is. He can't help but lavish love on, on people, on his special creation. It was his pleasure to love us and send his son as a gift to all humanity. And again, when we start to understand the depths of God's love for us and that he loved us without conditions and loved everybody without conditions, um, it kind of makes you stop striving or wishing you could muster up the strength to do stuff for God because when you understand God's unconditional love, it's pretty freeing. And you're free um, because you already know that God loves you. You don't have to earn it. When you screw up, it doesn't have any effect on it. Like God just loves you constantly all the time, no matter what happens, no matter what, what, you're, what you're doing. You've got nothing to prove with God because God already knows you. He knows the, the best thing you've ever done and the worst thing you've ever done, and he still loves you. Because of Jesus' death, we can know that God already uh, approves of us if we received his gift, if we received Jesus as our savior. And you will naturally, and I say naturally because we have our old sin nature, but when we accept Christ as our propitiation, as our savior, the Bible says we've been given a new nature. So naturally, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we're going to start doing good works, loving things, agape loving things, because we have God's nature in us, which is love. Um, and again, we're not gonna do good things to offset the bad. We're gonna do them because we realize that we're a beloved child of God. And this great love um, is so amazing, I have to share it with people. I've, I've gotta spread this around because it's just, it's radical, it's life-changing, it's amazing. Um, and it even says at the end of our verses here, it says, beloved, if God loved us, we also ought to love one another. By experiencing the love of God, it allows us to show that same love towards people who may be at their worst. Um, I did not plan this, by the way, but I mean, this is like playing right into the homeless shelter here. You know, some of these guys are rock bottom, or they're they hit rock bottom and they're and they're they're trying to get out of the hole. And um, you know, we could love people who who would otherwise repulse us. We can move towards them. We can engage with them. Because we can realize that, hey, at one point in our lives, we might have not been homeless drilling out gas tanks, but we were at rock bottom. We were dead in our trespasses. We were, we were against, we were enemies of God. We were low. We were in their place at one point or another. And God reached to us with his love and with his mercy. And by the power of God, we have the privilege and honor to share this love with people. We're, we're uniquely qualified to move towards these people and share God's love because we've been in their shoes before. We've been low. And of all the people on the earth, we, the church, should be the first people to approach um, the down and out, the social outcasts, um, you know, the poor, the homeless, um, our family members, um, next door neighbors, coworkers, um, <laughs> the high school friend you're still friends with on Facebook that voted for the other political person last election, we, we can love these people. We have the opportunity to share love with them unconditionally um, because it's gonna save their life. It's gonna change the world, and that's important because like we were talking about before, some people sin ignorantly. They don't know, they don't know the truth. They don't know the Bible. They don't know God's word, 
And unfortunately, they don't know that without Jesus' propitiation for them, they've got to pay for their sins themselves in hell. And so we need to, we need to be faithful and we need to love people like God loved them and move toward them and share the gospel with them that they might be saved. And a lot of them, you might approach them and be like, I got nothing, man. I'm a terrible person. You know, I've done all this stuff. How can God love me? And you can go through these verses with them and be like, God really does love you. Look at this. You know, when you were at your worst, God loved you and sent his son. He had mercy on you. You don't have to have your stuff together. God loves you right now, where you're at, in the deep, in the depths, in the pit. I know I don't teach as long as Mike Monje. Sorry about that. <laughs> but as we go to our, our Christmas parties, um, family get-togethers, grocery store, wherever we're going, be mindful. Um, be mindful of God's love for you. Be mindful you're surrounded by people that God loves, even though they look on the outside like they're, they're terrible, they're evil, you know? But we need to move towards people, not shy away from them and engage them. For some of us, I know for me, okay, I can, I'm gonna share a story about Isaiah. Isaiah, my son, who's running the slides back there, is very outgoing, if you haven't noticed. Even this, and this was a trait, even when he was born, I remember going through a McDonald's drive-thru because he wanted french fries. I'm like, all right, let's go get some french fries. And as soon as I pull up to the window, I couldn't even say a word. He had unclipped himself from the car seat and he popped his head around the window and he looks at the lady and goes, hi, I'm Isaiah, what's your name? How long you worked here? But he just started talking to this lady. I was like, wow. All that to say, for some people, engaging people, super easy. Like, Isaiah would literally walk up to anybody. It was, it was almost to the point where me and Melissa were kind of like, okay, we should, we should watch him. Because he would literally go up to, I mean, he would go up to the homeless guy screaming at a sign. He would probably go up and introduce himself to them, honestly. He's on the opposite side, natural. He doesn't care. He'll go talk to people. But I do know, on the opposite side of the spectrum, my wife, she's very, she's very, She's very meek. She's very shy. Going up to a friendly person, a friendly-looking person, would you do that? Yeah? She doesn't know. Undecided. Yeah. Even people who are friendly, she might be like, eh, maybe not. So I guess my, my encouragement to you guys is no matter your temperament, uh, may come easy, may be really hard for you, but again, if we ponder the depths of God's love for us and, and how much he loves that other person, I think if we're focused on that, it's going to give us the motivation to really go up to those people and engage with them and share the gospel with them that they might save, that they might, their lives might be transformed. Um, yeah, so as we go through this Christmas season, I, I hope you guys ponder um, the love that God sent through his son to die for us as a as a sacrifice. It was, again, God's love's amazing because I just, again, I think of myself and I'm like, I'm not, very, I'm not a very lovable person. I know a lot of people are, I'm friends with a lot of people, but I, I'm sinful. <laughs> Done a lot of crazy stuff, but God loves me, which is awesome. It feels, feels really good to know that the creator of the universe loves me 
and he loves you guys. We're going we're gonna to take communion, which represents um, God's propitiation, his son that he sent to die on the cross with the cup of juice that represents his blood shed for the forgiveness of sins and the, the broken crackers represents his body that was broken for us. It, you know, it's a, it's a good time to reflect on what that means. It is, it's a, it's a somber time, communion, you know, knowing that God came down in human form and was just, I mean, brutally beaten for no reason because he was perfect. He was convicted. He was crucified. So it is somber, but at the same time, it's joyful because that, that right there is what sealed the deal for eternal life for all of us because God loved us so much. It's great mercy and love. Um, so let me pray and then we'll cue up another worship song and we'll take communion together. Lord, you, you're amazing. Your love is amazing. And uh, I know that, yeah, I'm only 46, but I've hopefully got a lot of life to go. You never know. But I, I think I'm just going to keep on learning and learning and learning the depths of your love because it seems so huge <laughs> and unknowable and amazing because, man, it's so hard for me to love people sometimes because of conditions, Lord. So help me to focus and really understand your love for me so that I can take that love to other people. God, I pray that um, you would bless everyone this Christmas season as we go throughout our days with family and friends and work and what have you, that we would, that we would share your love with people. God, give us the opportunities. And when opportunities come up, Lord, help us to be faithful. And um, give us the courage, give us the strength, the words to say, um, to be ambassadors of your love to the world, Lord. And uh, thank you for communion time when we can remember your sacrifice for us, Lord your propitiation for us, God. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for loving us. I know some of us didn't grow up with love. Some of us grew up in, in great homes, but some of us grew up in homes where there was, there was no love. So it's even more sweet to know that, that uh, the creator loves me, loves me more than I can ever know. It's awesome. Lord, so we just pray you'd bless the rest of our time in this service as we take communion and worship you. And bless our time as we eat a meal together and share a meal, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.